Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's the My First Gig Podcast. Whoa. Sharing stories of first gigs and shows. Well, well, guys, it's that time again. It's time for my first gig with me, Dwayne Dugan. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining once again. Thank you for joining for the first time, whoever you may be. I hope you're uh, somewhere nice. Maybe a walk through a park. Maybe a nice long drive on your own. Or maybe you're listening to this in bed. And if you are, just know that if you fall asleep with me in your ears, and if you don't have that sleep timer that shuts off the podcast after 20 minutes, then tonight we sleep together. That's a weird opening. Anyway, look, I'm Dwayne Dugan. Welcome to the podcast. Today's guest, as you can see, is Mary Beth Barone, uh, a very fun guest, a very fun comedian. We gig together at the Paddy Power Comedy Festival here in Dublin earlier this summer and we did the show and then the next day recorded the podcast which was nice it's um it's fun these pod- these festivals are great for basically catching people to do podcasts it's like hey i know your schedule i got sent a schedule too and then when you're on the show as well it gives you a bit of credibility because i'm like i'm on this because i'm irish i'm not getting booked in their equivalent there's no paddy power new york comedy festival that they're flying old doogie doog balls over to but if there is fly me anywhere i will go anywhere if you pay for me to go if you're a booker if you run some mad show in a shack in ecuador i'll go if you run a little wooden bar in a town a hundred miles outside of prague but still calls itself prague even though there's no transport to prague or any of the airports i'll go I'll, I take beer tokens. That's all I need. Um, if you're watching on the video, welcome. If you're listening early, extra welcome. Because that means you give me money. Patreon.com forward slash my first gig pod. If you're not listening early, you get this on a Monday morning. Like, who wants to wait to a Wednesday to get a podcast? If I'm going back to work and I'm doing the commute in the morning, I want my podcast on a Monday morning. And this should definitely be top of your list. You know, if it's a case of like you're getting 10 podcasts in and you're going to go, do you know what? Joe Rogan, you can wait. Doogie Doog Balls. It's the second time I'm calling myself that. Has a podcast out. If you're watching on video, my curtains are back. Um, if you haven't listened, update. I just bought a house. And that's pretty much why I'm asking you to subscribe to the Patreon. It's not actually to support the podcast. It's not actually so you can get benefits. It's so I can pay for this. I don't know how to pay for this. It's wild. And I'm like, it's a bit bittersweet. I've tried for so long to get this place 
me and my girlfriend, we've saved for years. We've lived apart, trying to save through a pandemic, not seeing each other for months. And now we're finally here and everyone tells us, oh, this is the greatest, one of the greatest days of your life. Like, enjoy this. This is going to be one of the best things you ever do. And I'm like, yeah, fair enough. But like, it's very hard to get excited about this house when I know one day I'm going to lose it in a divorce. And I'm going to prepare myself for that. It's like, let's not get too attached. Whatever day down the line that is, you know, let's just get it over and done with now. Um, but it's wild can't afford a thing it was exciting though and my girlfriend was like so happy she was like right let's go out to dinner to celebrate this is restaurant we've always wanted to go to I'm like yeah but like uh, would you not prefer a walk on the beach you know maybe you'd like a cycle through a nice park or if you wanted to have to go inside somewhere let's go to like a posh shopping centre where they give out free samples if you get where I'm going, I'm saying let's do something that costs a total of three ninety nine. All right, because money is something that we're never going to have again. We're paying for this until what's thirty five years? Until I'm sixty nine. Not nice. Like I'm not entirely confident I'll be alive at sixty nine. So maybe that's all right. But I don't want to die at sixty eight. If I pay for this, for the remainder of my life and then get a, a year free because we've got that weird house insurance thing that if one of us dies it the house gets paid off but and like that could happen tomorrow and obviously neither of us want to die but we're also like I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing it would be a, a the worst thing but it, good benefits you know but we go out to this restaurant anyway and I'm like Alright, and I'm just like, mm, will I just get a garlic bread? Can I get that as a main? And they're like, mm, it's a side. It's very much a side. And it costs a euro. No. You can get it on the side of something else, as a main. And my girlfriend, Fiona, she's reading the menu, and um, of course, she orders the most expensive thing. I know I sound like I'm a, being a little ratty boy, but I was just like, oh, why are you doing this? But I didn't want to ruin her day because, you know, I saw how excited she was and I want her to enjoy it and I don't want to be a downer. So I thought, you know what, if you can't beat them, join them. So then the waiter was like, and for the gentleman? And I was like, do you know what, I'll have what she's having. And he was like, two steaks coming right up. And I went, whoa, come, over, come back. Excuse me, sir, come back. No, when I said I'll have what she's having, I meant I'll have the steak you bring her. We're sharing here. We can't afford two meals, okay? I want one steak, I want two forks, and I want to fight on the bus home. Please, tip your waiter, because I can't afford to. But it is nice. Um, jokes aside, it is very good. It's very fun, and I am very happy. It's very nice. And soon I'll have a little corner where I can record these and make it all pretty and stuff. But until then, you get the curtains. Um, this is another one of the podcasts where I don't have video. There's not a lot of video. All of these episodes have been recorded before I started doing video, okay? So Joel Isaac had video, but these are all audio. But you can see me on YouTube if you want to look at me. Uh, I am beautiful. But it's uh, it's nice. It's, uh, it's a, fun, a fun interview. And yeah, I, I start off, we start discussing the show. I made a little faux pas 
a faux pas, a faux pas. I mean, a little faux pas uh, during the gig that we did the night before. Who was on our gig? It was Mary Beth Barone. Was it Shane Daniel Byrne and Full Anson Hogg? And me? No, Killian Sunderman. I'm just naming all of the the cool dudes of comedy these days. Um, if you want to see cool dudes of comedy, you should come to Cherry Comedy. We got all the cool dudes you need. Uh, yeah, so it's um, it's fun. Uh, what, what did I want to tell you anything else? I don't think I did. Did you want to listen to anything else? No, I don't know, guys. This podcast is powered by Acast. What does that mean? It means it's just bloody brilliant. You still get the podcast wherever you go. I've been telling people, oh, you get an ad free. And then people tell me, oh, they don't get the ads on Spotify. It turns out if you have Spotify Premium, then Spotify, like, nine times out of ten, won't put the ads on. So don't listen on Spotify. I think I said this last week. Do I sound really greedy in these bits? Look, when I say for those who subscribe on Patreon, we know it's not bloody millions of people, all right? We know it wouldn't take me that long to count all of him, them, you decide which one's true. But we're having a great old time. I'm going to start. When is it? It's the, it's the 3rd of October. If you're listening to it on Patreon, it's the 5th of October if you're not. And I think on the 10th, on the 17th, the weekend of the, the week of the 17th, I'm going to start the bonus episodes. So I know, I know that's taken a while, but I'm going to start doing those. So have a little gander for that. Stick around until after the episode. Listen to my ramble. I'll tell you who to who to listen to next week. But what about next week? What about this week? To guess is Mary Beth Brown. Sit back and relax. And remember, if you are in bed, this does count as sleeping together. If you could text me and tell me that's what you did, I would like to add you to. This is the point where I've just realised I'm not recording any video. Oh, I'm not doing all that again. We're 9 minutes 40 in. Alright, if you're watching on video and you're wondering why there isn't, now we're on video. Did I really do that? Oh, God, what an amateur show. Yeah, subscribe to me on Patreon. It's actually pretty shoddy, okay? Um, Oh, God. If you're listening to this on audio, you're better off. You're getting the best me on audio. I don't deserve to be watched on video. What a shambles of a man I am. But not what a shambles of a guest or an episode I have. And it's time for you to listen. So, as I said already, but as I'll say again, and I mean it with so much more passion this time, sit back, relax, enjoy yourself, get comfy, have a loved one nearby, pop in your earphones, and listen to my first gig with Mary Beth Burrow. did a show last night yes uh your first show on irish soil yes it was how'd you find it i thought it was lovely yeah yeah it's so nice this festival is so well organized and like well set up it's very it's just good vibes here there's nothing like it is there yeah i mean festival style but but like even more put like buttoned up i would say because the tents are so like pristine and they have walls the tents have walls so it's a really nice atmosphere and i find that in rooms like that you can really hear the laughs because of the acoustics now i don't mean to call myself out but i was hosting the show last night yes uh did you notice i fluffed your name 
Yes, but that's okay. It's been fluffed before. I, luckily, though, I always say everyone's name twice. Yeah. I do a pre-clap and then a, a, an actual one. I wasn't worried at all. And then thankfully, I was able to correct it. No, it, I, I have been called many names and it's okay. I just, yeah, I think, uh, but I, I, saw, I called you uh, Ramon. Okay, I thought it was Marone, so that's Maybe actually different than what I thought. But I thought Ramon, and I was like, "Oh, that could be cool." Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I will, I will come on stage regardless. <laughs> so that's one great thing about me. You were, you were on stage with a stool last night, but you, you were, you, you were injured. Would you? Yeah. Did that, did that impact you a lot? Would you usually be quite physical? No, I stand almost completely still in my sets. I have sat down. I want to transition to being a seated comedian, yeah. but I think it's a big jump. And you really need to back yourself to just be like such a captivating speaker that you, you feel you can vibe, just completely think, yeah. sit. So I've dabbled in it. I I did. I think I broke my toe and or my metatarsal. So I just wanted to stool on stage in case it started to like throb while I was up there. But I ended up not even eating it. I, I just had my set list on the stool and I didn't need to sit on it. So I felt like, you know, it was there if I needed it. But I got through the set. Happy days. Yeah. And so you're here, you're uh, in, in, when I say here, I mean like Europe. So you're off to Edinburgh next. Mm -hmm. Have you been to the Fringe before? I've never been to the Fringe. I'm so excited. I will be there from the 3rd to the 28th doing my show. Yeah. I have one night off in there, but basically every night. And I'm doing my hour every night. And then I have my show Drag His Ass, a fuckboy treatment program that I'll be doing late night, two of the nights that I'm there. So what's that? Is that stand up as well or is that a... It's mixed media. It's stand up. And then I, it's a mixed bill show. And then usually at the end of Drag His Ass, I bring on a fuckboy that I've pre-interviewed and I do a fuckboy redemption, which is where we like talk about their wrongdoings and try to set them on a path of, of righteousness. But since I will be so busy with my hour, I'm actually going to have... People, in the beginning, I'm going to tell the audience, if you have a crazy dating story, think about it. And I want to bring up maybe two or three people and we'll talk about their crazy dating story and, you know, what happened and um, if they're still in touch with the person and hopefully provide some catharsis. Well, I think yeah, that's perfect for late night at the yeah. Fringe, I think. Although this will go out afterwards. So, look, it, I heard it went fantastic. Oh, well amazing. Yeah. yeah, we'll kind of just sort of prep for, for best case scenario. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's, what's the plan after the Fringe then? That's that's very intense. Like you know, it's like one day off, two shows a day. I only have one show a day. But the, the night show, no. The night show will be. I'm only doing it twice. Oh, so sorry. that's good. But I think I was thinking after, that was a lot to take on. If you're doing yeah, it no, every that day. would be crazy. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go back to the U.S. for probably a month, and you know, get settled back in New York. Maybe do a trip to L.A. and then. I have a couple other projects I'm working on that I think I'll have to put on the back burner for Edinburgh. So I will be starting those back up. Diving back in. Very good. Well, when, before we talk about your first gig, if I said to you, what's your first memory of comedy? Mm -hmm. And that can be comedy in any sense. What, uh, what do you think of? My first memory in comedy. My family is a very comedy focused family. Okay, we good. are very funny people. Both my parents are funny in different ways. And so... We were, you know, very into watching family comedies and maybe some comedies that were not as appropriate for kids, but um, they would fast forward through the bad parts so we could all enjoy them together. And I think so. I just we always had a taste for comedy. And yeah. I think my first memory of sort of independently deciding I thought something was funny was when I we had a we have a program in the States on Nickelodeon called Nick at Night which is late at night, they play reruns of old sitcoms. And I don't even know if it's a thing anymore, but they used to play reruns of I Love Lucy, which is a black and white sitcom from, I guess, like the 50s. Yeah. 
And it was about this couple, Lucy and Desi, and it was just Got Lucille Ball was to do. Yeah, exactly. So she was the the heroine, the protagonist, and she just was like so captivating and her physical comedy was amazing. And I, even as a kid, I just found it so entertaining. So I would stay up late as much as I could to watch her do her thing. And I have many, many VHS tapes of old episodes. And yeah, I just I, I really just fell in love with the whole show. Have you held on to your VHS player and all? I don't still have the player, but I've kept the VHS tapes. I'm just like not ready to get rid of I'm them. I'm the same. I've 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 attic full of tapes and yeah. I have no way to use them. I know. I mean, I think there's external VHS players out there. I don't have one, but certainly now with like like vinyl even now in music is is uncool. It's it's back at cassettes now. Right. So VHS is making a comeback. It has I to. I pray. Like as shit quality as it is, it's going to come back with the There's the something wholesome that, about it. Yeah, some of the, like some of the films I used to watch like um as a kid if I watch them now, you know, in the widescreen and the 4K and all that, if it doesn't have that wavy bar down the know. bottom, and I expect you it. You should have to put work in to rewind something because that shows that you really want to watch it. Well, my VHS growing up didn't rewind. It was broken. I had a secondhand one. The only way to get it to rewind was to let it play till the very end. And then it would automatically. But like, wow. Oh, it was a nightmare. But yeah, so that's, that's your, I Love Lucy's your first memory of comedy or your first kind of what you think of when you think of comedy. Humor is a thing. In, in what you kind of consume growing up at a, at a young age. When do you think you became aware of like stand-up comedy? My dad had stand-up records. Class. I remember Steve Martin specifically was one that we listened to. And I, I always was aware of it as a medium. And there were definitely some stand-up specials that we enjoyed as a family. And then I didn't attend a stand-up show until I was, I guess, in my 20s. I mean, I consumed a lot of stand-up like on Comedy Central and HBO, but I went to the Comedy Cellar. That was my first comedy show I attended in person, probably in in my early 20s. And I just remember being like so obsessed and we would go all the time. And then off of that, I signed up for improv at UCB because I just thought it would be fun to do. And then from there, I really fell in love with stand-up after I did my first gig. There we go. And look at that segue. <laughs> well, we won't, we won't go there just yet. I'm going to stick with some of the, those early things. So Steve Martin Records, any other names that you remember? Um, Kevin James had a stand-up special on Comedy Central, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And it was just so funny. Like, we watched it a lot of times in my house. So that was one. I think Paula Poundstone was definitely um, a, a regular... And I'm trying to think of some other comics that we would watch, just like their hour-long specials as a family. I can't... um, There's a few that I won't name anymore due to maybe how the environment has shifted. Of course. But they were still integral in my introduction to comedy. Jim Gaffigan as well. Big in my family. I guess, yeah, I always ask that question because I'm like, it's so different for American comics because it's like stand-up, yeah, it's on like... Paramount Comedy or Comedy Central or um, like if you wanted to watch a comedy special here you know 20 years ago 25 years ago if you didn't go to the store and buy it you, were, you weren't going to see it you couldn't see it yeah and like they were definitely were popular but just niche so it wasn't it wasn't something that like was on TV I'm going to say until I don't know mid mid noughties or something mm-hmm. like that at least not in my mind maybe it was I just wasn't aware so you're 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 a fan of comedy uh, from from a young age. You listen to these records, watch these specials, but you say you don't see comedy live until your twenties. Mm-hmm. Was it just that you didn't know that 
you could just go and see a show or was it just it didn't come about yeah i guess i just didn't really have a concept of the culture like i knew that there were stand-up shows and i knew people who had been to them but i didn't realize that there were shows like every single night at these amazing venues in new york and you would see up-and-comers you'd see established people you and at the cellar there's always sort of that element where maybe someone might drop in but i think there was yeah it was sort of this weird thing once i was aware of it i was just like obsessed with it yeah I don't know, yeah, because I, I, I was certainly aware of comedy here. I used to, when I visited Dublin, I never, I didn't grow up in Dublin, but when I visited Dublin, I'd go to comedy clubs. When I moved to Dublin, I didn't until I started. Yeah. I always find that very strange that, like, I knew it was there, but just, yeah, never went for it. Some of those first times going to the Saturn stuff, do you remember what any of the names you would have seen back then? Uh, yes, I remember Lisa Traeger was there, Matteo Lane was there. I saw, who are other people that I saw there? I think. I think, you know, Amy Schumer dropped in one of the times, Jon Stewart. So it was really a range of people that I didn't know, but then would, you know, become fans of and then ultimately meet some of them and become friends. Jared Freed hosted a lot when I went. I'm trying to think of other Andrew Schultz, definitely Mark Norman, Joe List, Gary Goldman. So, yeah, it was it was quite, you know quite an introduction and they would do their 15 or 20 minutes. And then I just remember I would like be keeling over laughing and I was just so impressed and blown away. Yeah, a lot of those names have, have been here over the years at, at this festival. It's, um, yeah, it's always fun seeing Greer who Greer Barnes over. was great. Will Sylvance. Like, there were these regulars who would sort of close out the show every time. And I just, like, no matter how many times I heard their set, I was just, like, pissing myself. So how, how long were you going to comedy before you thought, hey, I want to do something? Or did you, did you need to sign up to improv before you thought about that Probably was going to shows at the cellar for maybe like a year interspersed, like not super frequently, but I it was always just a good option like for a date night with my then boyfriend. And then I signed up for improv with no real expectation of what it would become for me, but I just thought it would be sort of fun to do. I, I always felt very performative as a child and, you know, I wanted to be an actress for a while. So I thought, you know what, maybe improv would be fun. And then it just became this thing that I was like, you know, it was the highlight of my week every week. And then I, yeah, I, I took the plunge, did a, an open mic and decided. I was also watching a lot of comedy at that time. Amy Schumer's show was exploding and she had an amazing special on HBO. I was getting really into like Andy Kindler and Michelle Wolf, And so it was it was really like, I think it was at the beginning of that this phase that we're in now, which is like comedy just became like something cool. Like it was like, oh, and that's not why I pursued it. Obviously, starting with improv, which is inherently uncool. I wasn't like, I want to do a cool job. I was just (laughs) like, oh, I'm going to take improv, see what happens. And then I knew pretty soon into doing it that I was like, how can I make this a career? That was that was my my focus for for a while. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I was going to ask you if you were uh, at all performative as a child. Did, like, what, what, did, what, you wanted to be an actress, you said. What, what, did, like, going through school and anything like that? Like, any, any, any performance-based things? That- yeah, I took voice lessons when I was in fifth grade, and I, I thought I could be, like, you know, a pop star, Disney kid, actress, multi-hyphenate. And then I did go to modeling school, which was very interesting. I, you know, I don't know how much I really learned at, at modeling school, but it was a good experience for me. And then I took like drama 101 in high school, but the drama program at our school, I just like, I didn't feel very drawn to it. So, you know, there were things that I felt I just didn't know like how to break into the industry being from Connecticut. You know, I wasn't like an L.A. kid or, or anything like that. So, you know, I, I wrote songs and I would sing songs with my friend. And I think we tried to sort of have a grassroots effort, but it never really took off. So all these avenues, you know, you want to do some sort of performance. And is that what led to going rice improv is potentially that? I was just like, I think it's a good outlet. It's a hobby I could do. How were you aware of like to sign up or anything like? Broad City was on TV at the time okay. and it was so funny. And I I had read that those gals, Abby and Alana, had taken improv at the Upright Citizens Brigade, which is now closed in New York. But it's an improv theater and a school. So you can take classes there. So I just thought, you know what? I'll sign up. I'll see if I like it. And definitely never expected to take a turn in my life as a result. But, you know... When I was in college, I signed up for drama 101 and the class was full and the teacher told me to come and sit in the class on the first day and come back the second day if there were any spots I could take the class. You know, I think that was sort of me being like, hey, I haven't really revisited this in a while. I'm 18. I'm at college. Maybe this is a, would be a fun thing for me to do. And when I got there for the second day of class, I opened the door and she goes, class is full. And so I, I left kind of with my head um hanging and I was so sad and then I was like you know what okay I guess I won't be a performer even sort of recreationally um, and that put me off it for a bit as well what, what were you doing in college I was studying to be an English teacher but I actually dropped out of college after two years to move to New York and get a job so yeah so English teacher definitely a very a big left turn from that yes yeah. definitely do, would you, do you have any did that aspiration leave you to be a teacher or was that just the avenue at the time or I oh absolutely not no I I didn't finish college so they literally would not allow me to but also I think you know teaching is a very specific skill and I don't have that in me so I would love to play a teacher on tv perhaps but I don't it's not the lifestyle for me personally and the the improv class now so tell me about that like when you sign up is that a is it evenings? Is it part-time? What, what does that look like? It was once a week for three hours. And it was I think it was a six-week program. And then you do a graduation show. And I just remember it, I was so excited to be meeting people from all over the country, all over the world with totally different experiences from mine and just like make comedy with them. And some people, 
you know, worked in finance. Some people were teachers. Some people were students. And it was like you could come together and just like everybody was on the same page. Everybody was on the same level in the room because you're all in Improv 101. And I think it was just like really eye-opening for me to be exposed to so many people with the same interest from so many different walks of life. And I found that I was just like enjoying it so much. So that was a really great introduction to, you know, the comedy world. And that graduation gig then, I'd say like, did that feel like you were being like thrown in the deep end then? Or were you waiting for that, like for that chance? I felt like it was just sort of fun and exciting. I didn't have any expectations about it. And I didn't really, it was during Improv 201 that I sort of said, I'm going to do this open mic. We'll see what happens. And then you know, I got bit by the bug, so to speak, because I just became addicted. So where, where did you hear about this open mic then? Where, where, where was that? It was at UCB. Okay. So that was really nice. So it's all kind of UCB schedule was all online and you could do, they had open mics, they had improv jams, and then they had a lot of, you know, produced comedy shows as well, improv stand-up sketch. So that was a really great place to feel like it was a safe space. God, yeah, I'd love something like that here. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I... I hate that it's gone. Mm. I think it was a tough business model and there it was not a perfect institution by any means. There were a lot of problems with it on a fundamental level, but I do feel that there has not been anything since then that has like had the presence that UCB had. Uh, so just being able to give like so many different people a platform and in different ways and the way that you say you went in for improv, but they had this open mic. So the open mic, is that like, when you say like it's 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 part of part of um, part of that as well, is it like under the same umbrella, or is it that when you go from doing improv to signing up for this open mic, does the community that you're in the improv with are they aware of this now, or is it kind of are they separated? Basically, how it was structured was there was a training center, and there were two theaters. So there was a theater in East Village and a theater in Chelsea, and the theater in the East Village had more stand up, so it was like. You could look at the schedule, see when the improv jams were, when the house teams were performing, all that stuff. And then it would also say when the open mics were. So you would go to the open mic, put your name on a sheet of paper in a bucket, and then you would sit in the audience and wait for your name to be called. And so the sets were two minutes each. So you had 120 seconds up there. And this one happened to be an all-women's open mic. So it was hosted by Anna Dresden and Sue Smith, and they were just so lovely and welcoming. And it was a really great environment to do something for the first time yeah that sounds scary just like you know while you might know yourself hey i'm gonna go i'm gonna sign up i want to do this the fact that you don't sign up until you're there and then sit in the audience waiting yeah that kind of terrifies me a little bit now even just saying it it is an insane thing to do i will definitely agree to that and i didn't tell anyone i was doing it i told my brother but i didn't tell anyone else and i I just thought, you know what, if I bomb, I'll never do it again. I just want to try it. And I mean, there were days that I went after that where not everybody got called. Like we would run out of time. So I look back on that instance and I feel very lucky that I was, you know, delusional enough to sit in that seat until I was called. And I, I got up there and did my thing and it was a pretty wild rush. Yeah, imagine you weren't called that first time and you just have to go home. I know, and then come back a month later because God. all women's one, I think, was only once a month. Right. And so, like, two minutes is not a long, long time. So, like, how do you, like, because, like, I think everyone's guilty of, like, say you have a five-minute set open or seven-minute or whatever it is. 
you write what you think is that, but it's so much more and you don't know how to control your time or anything like that. So how do you write for two minutes having never written a stand-up set before? I truly just like had jokes written in a notebook and I was like, I'll just read as many as I can in two minutes. Right, yeah. So I'm sure I spoke a mile a minute and I was like, you know, rushing and I had no calmness on stage whatsoever. Um, So I just remember a few of the jokes I did, they were very blue because I think... A lot of, you know, new comics do that stuff. And I still am very pretty blue now. But back then it was probably just a little more crass than. I did enjoy last night. I had to I had to uh, acknowledge it uh, in the crowd. There was like some older people and certainly known the Irish people. Um, I think I repeated uh, the phrase. Uh, I can't remember the context that I was in, but it was pussy and butthole. Yeah. And then I remember going, because did everyone expect to hear that? Like, I literally just locked eyes. She was on the left-hand side, this old woman, who she, like, just put her head down and just started shaking. And I was like, no, she didn't expect to hear it. Not, Not once, expecting it. Again, then later yeah. on. Um, so, yeah. So, like, that's, I guess, that, that strategy of just reading until you're done. Mm-hmm. Like, because I guess, yeah, because that's, that's why I asked about, like, how do you write for two minutes? Because, like, if you have a start and an end but you don't get to the end. Or... Yeah, there was no uh, strategy, really. That was a safe way to go about it. I yeah, think. and I think, you know, when I... I don't even remember if they lit people, because I would, you know, if you light after a minute and you have a minute left, but I probably did, you know, maybe a few less seconds just to not go over because yeah. I didn't want to make a bad impression. And were these stuff that you'd been writing since you'd started the improv course, or was this something you wrote purely with performing at this open mic in mind i had been writing down some ideas for probably a month leading up to it and then i yeah so i i figured you know an all women audience maybe these jokes will be funny to them yeah and i felt really good about it then the second open mic i did was in a basement of a comedy club and i was the only girl so my material did not go over as well in that environment but I think, you know, nowadays it's great because there's a lot more queer open mics, LGBTQ friendly, female female and female identifying only. And I think that that is really great for newer comics to have those places to feel comfortable because that's that's been much more expansive than it was when I started. Oh, yeah. God, like, you know, I got like I it's something I never thought about until like I was deep into it. But it's like, yeah, I couldn't imagine like how intimidating it is g- generally. But, like, I've never had to deal with the fact that, like, I'm going into a dark basement and it's just 20 lads. And if, you know, if they're new, they're talking about all these things and that's a different vibe and environment, right. you know. So it's, um yeah, certainly that you had the chance for that for that open mic to, to, to get your foot in the door. Because, like, yeah, who knows what, if it, if it went some other way. Do you remember anything about, like, the day before, as, you're, as you're prepping for it, as you know that it's coming up and the clock is ticking down? How you're feeding. I was insanely nervous. I think I could have jumped out of my skin, but I knew that I needed to do it for myself to just see, you know, I just, something possessed me as I equate it to sort of like when I dropped out of college, like looking back, I, I can't really remember exactly what I was feeling when I decided to do that, but I just needed to take that risk. And it was the same with doing my first open mic. I was just like, I am a really self-motivated person so i just said i was going to do it and then i was like i'm doing it and i guess like it's it's it must be such a different feeling from the 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 improv so it's good that you have that kind of like just let's go do it yeah because like you know obviously you've got a lot of rules in improv or guidance at least and mm-hmm. um while it's very reactionary and you can have a couple of things in your back pocket in case but you're not going up there going right 
here's something I prepared. Right. And there's also, you know, six other people, seven other people on stage with you. Yeah. As opposed to stand up where, you know, just me, me, myself and I. And how did you find that being on your own and like here's stuff like you're, you're, you're openly telling people here, I've, I've made this at home. Here it is now. Right. I definitely appreciated the magic of improv and how you can really find things that you're not expecting. But ultimately, I am a little bit type A. I'm a, I'm a bit of a planner. So I felt there was comfort in just sort of going up there knowing what I was going to okay. say. Even though if you, you know, fail or fly or whatever, it's all on you as opposed to a group. I feel like I'm I have control issues. So I was like, this is great. I can just go on and I'm responsible for it. And if it goes well, it's all for me. And if it goes bad, then yeah, that's all for me as well. But I, I felt it was a, a worthy risk to take. Maybe a bit of security in there almost, yeah. Yeah. Um, ha- Having improv, like at least going forward with gigs, having the improv back- background kind of help, like that you can maybe, I don't know if there's a heckler or something happens in a room that you can react or ha- would, you, would you say that you kind of left... I go improv skills behind I think now it's helpful I I was really like married to my set for the first few years I did stand up I would you know plan out every single word in the order of everything and I didn't really have room to diverge from that okay I think now I am a lot more comfortable with you know I know what my set is so if I have to take a pivot because someone says something or I ask a question and I don't get the answer that I thought I would I've feel a lot more comfortable you know riffing on things like that but I think just being on stage in general is something you have to get comfortable with and so improv definitely helped me with that yeah uh, do you remember any of the jokes from that that opening night or at least those early days I definitely told a joke about planning to stay a virgin until I was married because I, I grew up Catholic and so I I had some sort of joke about abstinence only education and then I think I joked about, you know, I don't even remember something about, yeah, I, I just remember that was one of the concepts. And then I have a, I have a bit about circumcision and I think I gave, I think I did like a kernel of that at the time. So I don't remember exactly what that, what the words were, but I, that bit became something that became part of my set that I, you know, will still do to this day. So, oh, wow. Very yeah. Good. Yeah. God, yeah, I. I, I, I toyed with the idea of doing this, this as a live show. It was going to be at, at the Fringe, actually. And I was doing this as a live show and then getting them to perform some of their that early. Jo- I have my notebook still. I know that. That's that's so. very cool to have. But like that's I get two reactions. Either. People who can't remember go, there's not a fucking chance. I'm I mean, saying it, those I jokes think it's again. fun to reflect on who we once were. Oh, of course. But I guess saying them in your current skin is a very different thing. Yeah, I think there's definitely some jokes I did in early in my career that I would not still do and don't still do. But And after that first gig now, so happy with how it went? Thrilled. I mean, it went so well and I was like, oh shit, I want to do this for my job. And did it like, did you just start, like I know you were saying like they were, those gigs were a month in between, but then the next Yeah, gig, but there were so many open mics in New York. Did so, you just get stuck in? Yeah, I was, it, I, every night I could, I would either go see a show or do an open mic, sometimes both. Okay. And then I s- continued taking improv classes at UCB and I started doing bringer shows, which is... I don't know if you guys have those here. We don't, thank okay. God. I yeah, moved to London for a year and my first gig was a bringer. I didn't realize. Yeah, it's they're a dreadful. tough, tough thing. I mean, basically it was, you know, you'd have 15 comedians on the lineup and anyone could do a set as long as they brought. I mean, they were, it was pre-booked, but like if yeah. you brought eight people, you could do a set. So you would have a lot of people there, which was great. But I think it's a tough uh 
it's a tough thing to do consistently for a long time. So, you know, you invite work friends, you invite home friends, you invite college friends, you invite your family, sort of all to these different shows just so you can get get reps in, as they say, and hopefully eventually get a tape, which was something that was nice to come out of the bringer shows. You would get a tape from some of them. And then I used those to send to producers. And I was so brazen. Like I would just like I would message anyone that I knew who produced a show with my tape and be like, I would love to do a set. Like, please let me know. Here's an example of my material. And I was just so fearless at the beginning. Now I like look back and I can't believe I did that. But it was so important to have that level of like delusion to be like, I can get booked. Like I've been doing stand up for four months and I can get booked. Well, no, I wasn't going to say that you were delusion. I was going to say I did something similar, but I think it was delusion rather than kind of confidence. I was like, it was the morning after my first gig. We'd filmed it ourselves. It was a 13 minute set because we didn't time it. Oh my God. And then I sent it to the biggest club in the country here. and was like, hey, can I do your show? And they're like, they were very nice about it. And I was just like, I wouldn't have looked at that message. Like, no. Like, no, I mean, a lot of people just didn't respond, which yeah, is fine. But some people did. And I think that was important for me to be putting myself out there. And how long do you think you were doing it before you started the guest? Um, as you say, you more comfortable and kind of stuff like that. I did a show at Gotham Comedy Club that was a bringer show, but it was like a competition show. And I it, I think it was my fifth show that I'd ever done, like of a show, not no, not including open mics. And I won. And I was like, okay, this is, this is going well. Like, I think I can really double down. And that's when I decided to quit my job and break up with my boyfriend and move out of our apartment. Five gigs in? Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, 25-year-olds, they're, they're liable wow. to do anything. Fair play. Fair play. Wow. That's a... Well, look here. That's what you got to do. And here we are. There you go. It sounds mental saying it, but here, of course, it worked. Yeah. Um. So with that kind of get up and go attitude from that very early early time, um, if you could, you today, go grab yourself before your name gets called and you go up for your first two minutes and just take yourself aside for a minute, what do you think you'd... You'd say now, no butterfly effect, things in effect now. you can- Right. You're just sort of imparting something. I would probably say like things are really about to change for you and just don't, don't um, hesitate, you know, just dive in. In fact, I wish that I, you know, decided earlier to do this, but I think if I could tell myself right before I was going up, just like, yeah, this is going to be a really pivotal moment in your life. So just like enjoy every second of it. And maybe don't, you don't even need to wait for your fifth gig. Just quit. Quit your just job quit now. now. <laughs> just do it now. Do well, everything you can. Look, if anyone's listening, quit your job. That's the way to do it. And don't make any complaints. And don't give out. up. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for chatting. Thanks your first for gig. having me. Thank you. There we go. That's another episode in the books. Did you enjoy that? I bloody loved it. Do you know what you know? Do you know what I do? And this, I don't know. This might make me sound like a really, really cool guy. When I love an episode of a podcast, when it's fresh in my mind, I go and I leave a review. I go to Spotify. I go to Apple Podcasts. I go wherever. And I leave a review and I say that was fantastic. I had so much fun. I would recommend it to a friend. I would do it again. So if you had fun, leave a review. If you want to get them quicker, and if you want to get them more, if you want to get them extended, go to patreon.com forward slash my first gig. Uh, Cherry Comedy in Dublin every single Monday night. Go to cherrycomedy.e. If you are in Ireland or visiting Ireland, if you're local, check out some stand-up comedy. You're going to see some names. Maybe you're going to see someone do a first gig, and in 10 years' time, you'll hear them on this, and you go, oh, I was there. Actually, has it was anybody at any 
If anyone's listening that was at the first gig of a guest, that I would love to hear. I don't think, no, I haven't been for sure. Um, everyone's been, no, I haven't done anybody too new. When we get to the Irish ones, there'll be somebody I'll eventually come across that I may have seen their first time. But wow, yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Get the, like, the, we'll get like the DVD extras bonus audio commentary from Drunk Fan in the Corner. I was like, well, I actually didn't think they were great, to be honest with you. I'm like, mm-hmm, well, I regret doing this. But that, look forward to that on Patreon sometime soon. Perhaps never. Uh, next week, who are we going to have on the guest? I always should plan this. I know I'm doing it, and I don't know. Who do we have in the can that we're going to write next week? Okay, I got it. If you're a fan of uh, stand-up clips on YouTube or on Instagram Reels, you've most certainly come across the Hot Water Comedy Club in Liverpool in England and the resident MC and the powerhouse that has been touring the longest tours to the most sold-out insane audiences is none none other than Paul Smith. And Paul Smith will be next week's guest on My First Gig. So tune in for that. Follow us on at my first gig pod, wherever you get your podcasts. No, that's the wrong one, isn't it? It's uh, so many buzzwords. Uh, the buzzwords born. Should I be more me? Uh, I like to dedicate this uh, episode. Uh, my friend's getting married in a couple of weeks, and uh, his name is uh, someone. Haha. <laughs> uh, inside joke, guys. I don't just do the jokes outside. I do them inside as well. And uh, yeah, so guys. We're going to have fun. We're going to be back next week with Paul Smith. If you enjoyed it, you can follow me at Dwayne Duke and follow the podcast at My First Kick Pod on whatever social media platform you want. And we'll all have a bloody belter of time. You know, if you had fun, you just shared it to your stories and said, good podcast, give it a listen. I'll actually, like, start naming, like, my toes after you. I will, can you name toes? I guess I'm in charge of that. I'll be like, right, pinky toe, up for grabs. First person to do it. Second person to do it gets the big toe. On what foot? The right foot. Which one's the right foot? Could be the left. Oh, wordplay. Wordplay. Yeah, when I'm doing toe-based wordplay, I should go. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you another time. Just have a great time. Try your best and have fun and smile. Uh, I love you very much, and I uh, bid you adieu. Goodbye. God bless. Au revoir. Adios. I've been Dwayne Dugan for my first gig. We will see you another time. Thanks. It's the My First Gig Podcast. You've been listening to the My First Gig with Dwayne Dugan on Acast. Follow online at My First Gig Pod or at Dwayne Dugan. For classic episodes, ad-free, early access and more, head to myfirstgigpod.com. This is My First Gig with Dwayne Dugan, powered by Acast. Enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 